This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. All right, guys, kind of a weird place to start, but don't worry. It'll make sense here in just a minute. We're so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you for listening. But guys, before we get going into today's content, I wanted to let you know I'm currently booking speaking engagements out for this year for 2022. So I know a lot of you guys, you have men's events coming up. You have men's conferences. You have a lot of different things where you're bringing in speakers to your church or to your ministry or to your business. If you want me to come speak live at one of those events, or even if you've got a podcast and you'd like to interview me on your podcast about what we're doing here at Undone. Life. I make it very, very easy for all of you guys to get a hold of me. Okay. So a couple of different ways you can go to our website. The link will be in the show notes. It's undaunted.life backslash speaking undaunted.life backslash speaking, or you can just shoot me an email directly to info at undaunted.life. That's I N F O at undaunted.life. <coughs> there we cleared our throats. Now let's move into today's content. Okay. So you may have seen headlines in the last several weeks that have included two words that you may not have ever heard of, or at least you hadn't heard recently. And those two words were conversion therapy, conversion therapy. That's on the tip of everybody's tongue. Seemingly these days is what their thoughts are on conversion therapy and the things they're in. Okay. You, <coughs> here we go. This is going to be the coughing podcast. Apparently let's keep going. Let's just motor through. You may have also seen that preachers all over Canada and the United States on the 16th of January, on the 16th of this month, delivered sermons that upheld biblical sexual morality on the entirety of the LGBTQ plus agenda. Okay. You may have seen some stuff pop up about that. So you might be wondering, okay, why is all this happening? Like, what are the main reasons for this? Like what's kind of leading to this groundswell? You know, I heard about conversion therapy back in the day. Why is it in the news again? The big reason that it is, is because of a new law that has been passed in the country of Canada and it's bill C4 in Canada. So I'm not exactly sure how the Canadian system works in terms of how their bills become law and all that. I don't, I don't know. I know that's a little bit different than here, than here in the United States, but essentially this law outlaws what they're calling conversion therapy. So today, since most of you listen to this, you don't actually watch this. I would be using air quotes. This would be the major air quotes podcast as opposed to just the cough podcast. But every time I use conversion therapy, every time I say that phrase today, it's so-called conversion therapy. It is going to be in scare quotes because I want to talk a little bit more about this law, Bill C-4 in Canada, but then we're going to get into the ramifications for this and what's happening all over the globe. So defined in the law, in Bill C-4, in th these are in sections 320.102 to 320.104, conversion therapy means a practice, treatment, or service designed to, and this is directly from the law, A, change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual, B, change a person's gender identity to cisgender, C, change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth, D, repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior, 
E, repress a person's non-cisgender gender identity, or F, repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. Now, guys, I'm not going to go ahead and repeat that list again, but you might just rewind a few times to listen to that list again just to make sure that gets in because I know a lot of that is not normal parlance for most normal people working a job to even think about those things, but I want to make sure that you get that in your heads because there's something of note here about what this law in Canada, this uh, Bill C-4, is looking at. As you can see from the list that I just read, hopefully you just listened to it twice, influencing someone's sexuality or gender identity is only considered illegal under this law. It's only considered illegal conversion therapy when it aligns with what the Bible teaches about those subjects. It outlaws it otherwise. Because if you teach that a boy is a boy and always a boy, a girl is a girl and always a girl, that they were born that way, if you teach in any way, shape, or form that a homosexual lifestyle and acting out on those homosexual urges is wrong, you go afoul of what we're seeing here with this law, okay? And even with this law, if you were to influence or even coerce a child or an adult to be gay or gender fluid or trans or non-binary, it's all good. Literally. Because people are like, oh, you know, that'll never happen. That's a slippery slope argument. But here we are today. If you influence or coerce a child or an adult to be gay or gender fluid or trans or non-binary or any other things that are in the array of the rainbow, it's all good. You can 100% do that. And Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire actually pointed this out on Twitter. Essentially, if you counsel your biological male child to accept his male identity, you could be arrested for this in, the, in Canada, right? Hey, you are a biological male. That is a good thing. Let's reinforce that. It is written so broadly, and we're going to get into that way more here in just a second. So, but just think about this. A ministry like mine, but you know, were I to implore men to embrace their God-given masculinity, were to I am to implore young men to embrace their masculinity as I do on this show often, if I were to do this in Canada, I could be convicted for doing so under this law. Okay. Also, the bill would enact new offenses to prohibit, and this is straight from the bill, so I'll read the list here causing another person to undergo conversion therapy, removing a child from Canada to undergo conversion therapy abroad, promoting or advertising conversion therapy, and receiving a financial or other material benefit from the provision of conversion therapy, right? So again, they're going to define conversion therapy. They're going to be the ones that make sure that they enforce this, and they're looking at all the eventualities. So let's say you're a Canadian citizen, they outlaw this, and you want to go across the border to Michigan and get your kids some treatment because they're expressing some same-sex attraction, and they don't want these feelings. Mm, can't do that. So basically, that list that I just read, if you go to their website, which I'll include a lot of things in the show notes today, but if you go to their website, all those things I just listed violates another Canadian law, but they're going to be using this law to usurp some of those other laws. Okay. And those who disobey the law, they will face up to five years in prison, five years in prison. So pastor James Coates, who is a, a name that you should recognize because it was, he was on our podcast last year. He was the pastor that had on the show after that he was released from his arrest for not shutting down his church during COVID. He said that this law essentially criminalizes evangelism. And he's absolutely right because you couldn't evangelize to somebody to say that their sin is depraved. 
right? Because not everybody struggles with same-sex attraction. Not everyone struggles with, you know, confusion within their gender identity. Not anyone struggles with those types of sins. Some struggle with other sins. But if you were to evangelize to someone and tell them that they need to turn away, repent from their life of sin, this is now being outlawed under this new law. They've outlawed biblical Christianity in Canada, okay? But it's not just in Canada, because before Canada, it happened in France. So you may not have heard about this, but the National Assembly, that's the lower house over there in France, they unanimously voted for the law in October of of last year, a law that would basically eradicate what they're calling conversion therapy. And guys, we're going to spend a lot of time on the definition of conversion therapy in a little bit, so hang on. But the French Senate voted 305 to 28 in favor of the ban of conversion therapy on December the 7th of 2021, so the very end of last year. Both houses passed the the compromise language on, uh, you know, uh, just a few weeks ago. The law now has to be officially promulgated by President Emmanuel Macron before it can go into effect. So guys, I was having trouble finding the exact, uh, the exact, you know, where this is in terms of uh, what's going on in the French houses and all that. But if Macron has not done so already, he has 100% expected to do so. He is going to sign this bill into law and the expectation is that it will be enshrined into law by the end of February. Okay. So this is right around the corner. If not February, it'll be March. There's no way he's not going to sign this. So this bill, bans all, and this is a quote from the bill, practices, behaviors, and repeated statements with the intent of modifying or repressing a person's real or perceived sexual orientation or gender identity and having the effect of a material alteration to their mental or physical health. Okay, so that's what this bill is banning. And here are the penalties of this law if it's violated. Okay, so with the Canadian law, it was five years in prison and with no fines. At least there were no fines listed. If you violate this in France, you could get two years in prison and a 30,000 euro fine. That's about $34,000 US. And then the punishment increases to three years in prison and 45,000 euros, about $51,000 US. If the victim is a minor or otherwise considered a quote unquote vulnerable person, and if the person practicing conversion therapy is a parent or grandparent of the victim, or if the conversion therapy is conducted online. But I'm not necessarily worried as much about the online or the people that are considered vulnerable. If a parent or grandparent does this so-called conversion therapy, they could get three years in prison and 45,000 euro fine. Also, medical professionals found guilty of this so-called conversion therapy can be banned from practicing for 10 years, essentially ending their careers. So I wanted to actually read this quote from France's Minister for Equality Between Women and Men. This is an actual title for an actual government bureaucrat in France, the Minister for Equality Between Women and Men. Uh, Her name is Elizabeth Moreno, or I'm assuming it's a her. Sorry, I just may have misgendered her. This is a quote from her quote. Being oneself isn't a crime. No, homosexuality and trans identity aren't sicknesses that can be cured. No, there is nothing to cure, unquote. Now, there is an interesting note based off that uh, quote from Minister for Equality Between Women and Men, Elizabeth Moreno. Homosexuality was removed from the list of psychiatric disorders recognized in the country of France in 1981. And then gender identity disorders were removed in 2010. But no data or research were given for these changes. There was no breakthrough in psychology or our understanding of the human brain or how we act out and any of these types of things. 
that made them remove homosexuality from the list of psychiatric disorders in 1981 and gender identity disorders in 2010. Nothing whatsoever. Isn't that so interesting? Now let's move over to the United Kingdom. So over in the UK, they've been signaling for months that they intended to induce or introduce legislation on this. Okay. But it looks like they're moving forward with, with some pace at this point, because since France put it into effect, everyone's looking at the UK now, like, Hey, are you going to continue to drag your feet or are you going to get after it now? I'm going to read directly from www.gov.uk. That is the government website of the UK, okay? So here I'm going to read directly from their website. The government will introduce a legislation ban on the practice of so-called conversion therapy. This consultation seeks views on proposals and how we plan to ban these practices, which particularly affect LGBT people. This consultation closes on Friday the 4th, February 2022 at 11.45 p.m. So they're basically wanting to get the opinions of the people and the populace and essentially anyone around the world could give them ideas on this. So back to the website. The consultation seeks views on a package of proposed measures that will apply to England and Wales. These include a ban on conversion therapy, introducing a new criminal offense alongside sentence uplifts for existing offenses, a package of support for victims, restricting promotion of conversion therapies, removing profit streams, and strengthening the case for disqualification from holding a senior role in a charity, introducing conversion therapy protection orders to protect potential victims from undergoing the practice, including overseas, and then also exploring further measures to prevent the promotion and advertisement of conversion therapy. So that's in the UK, but then right over in Ireland, the land of my forefathers, they're in the process of evaluating whether or not to put legislation like this into effect. Uh, Roderick O'Gorman, an Irish government minister, he said that there is a need to investigate whether there is an issue with so-called conversion therapy in the Republic of Ireland before bringing in a ban. But that is just basically government speak before uh, for we're going to do this eventually, but we need to pretend as if we're going to be doing a lot of dire research in the meantime. So that's what's going on in jolly old Ireland. But then you're thinking to yourself, okay, that's great. That's Canada. You know, they're weird. They've got Mounties and, and hockey and frozen ponds up there. Good for them. Oh, and France. Who? No one cares about those beret wearing weirdos. No one cares about what's going on in the UK. Didn't we fight a war to not have to care about those people? And what about Ireland? Did they finally run out of potatoes and they got to find something else to do there? Have I offended everybody at this point? So you're thinking this doesn't affect you, right? The majority of my audience listening to this podcast is in the great country of America. This doesn't affect you, right? Wrong you are. Because currently, there's something like this going on right in the heartland in West Lafayette, Indiana. Okay? So there's been other things that have been going on in the United States, but I want to focus in on West Lafayette, Indiana, because it's going on literally right now. There's Ordinance 3121 in the city of West Lafayette. Okay? Now, this ordinance, if it were to be accepted, would prohibit unlicensed persons from practicing so-called conversion therapy with children under the age of 18 with a penalty of up to $1,000 per day for violators. So it defines conversion therapy as, quote, any practices or treatments that seek to change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity, including efforts to change gender expression or to eliminate or reduce sexual or romantic attractions or feelings towards individuals of the same gender, unquote. Now, their basis for wanting this ban, because I went and actually read the ordinance, the proposed ordinance, I, I went in there, okay? Their basis for this are the words of the American Psychological Association, the American Psychiatric Association, the Committee on Adolescents of the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Counseling Association Governing Council, American Psychoanalytic Association, American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors and Therapists, and the American College of Physicians. 
So they're not messing around. They're taking all these alphabet organizations that have, you know, apparently all this money, all this funding and all this influence. And that's what they're basing this ban on. Okay. Now you would think since it was all these disparate organizations that there would be some significant variations in what they said in reference to why they're including those organizations on this ordinance. And you'd be wrong. Nope. They all pretty much said the exact same thing. So I'm going to read this quote from the American Psychiatric Association because they basically all echo this sentiment. Quote, this opposes any treatment such as reparative or conversion therapy, which is based upon the assumption that homosexuality per se is a mental disorder or based upon a, pri a priori assumption that a patient should change his or her sexual homosexual orientation, unquote. They all pretty much say the exact same thing. Now, so far, the ordinance approval motion has been tabled at the city council meetings in December and January of this year, but it's up for review again in February. Now they're feeling the heat, right? Because you've got it in the news. People are talking about it because of what's going on in Canada. So you're, they're feeling it right now. Okay. Again, if it goes into effect, violators will be fined $1,000 per day. As many have pointed out, if this goes into effect, okay, Christian counselors in this town of West Lafayette, Indiana will almost surely be in violation of the ordinance immediately. Okay. Because many of these counselors are unlicensed, right? I'm using air quotes. This is the air quote podcast. Many of these counselors are unlicensed because they are Christians and operate outside of the secular psychological establishment, right? So think about it in this terms. If you had an issue, let's say you're, you're a member of a church and you're having a drinking problem. And let's say you go to your church and you want to uh, get the counseling of one of the pastors on staff. They would be considered an unlicensed counselor, okay? Now, you can go to a licensed counselor and get essentially the same treatment without all the, the scripture or prayer or any of those types of accountability things that might be therein. But a lot of these counselors in this area are going to be operating outside of that establishment. Okay. Now, I actually found a quote from a pastor in West Lafayette that runs one of these counseling programs. So here's the quote. We currently have 31 counselors offering 68 hours of biblical counseling to members of our community each week, free of charge at multiple locations. The reason faith counselors and others choose not to be licensed is because we have dramatically different counseling presuppositions than the secular world. We have never practiced conversion therapy or used the term because we find this practice that was developed by the secular counseling community to be barbaric and harmful to persons experiencing same-sex attraction, unquote. Okay, now, Ordinance 3121 in West Lafayette, Louisiana, is somehow attached to Senate Bill 32 in Indiana. I'm not exactly sure how. The websites for both of these organizations, for, for the city of West Lafayette and for the Indiana state, it doesn't exactly make this clear. But there was Senate Bill 32 introduced in January of 2021, so a year ago, written by Indiana State Senator J.D. Ford. Okay, so the synopsis of this bill is it's a prohibition of conversion therapy, and it prohibits a mental health provider from engaging in conversion therapy with a patient that's less than 18 years of age and subjects a mental health provider who violates the prohibition to disciplinary action. So I'm going to read this actually from the bill. This is exactly reflected in ordinance 3121, but quote, conversion therapy means any practice or treatment that seeks to change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity, including any effort to change gender expression or to eliminate or reduce sexual or romantic attraction or feelings towards individuals of the same gender, unquote. Now, as far as I could find, as far as I could understand, this bill is dead. 
Okay, so this bill did not make it through, uh, you know, the, the state house there in the state of Indiana. The bill is dead. But this bill was attempting to add Indiana to the list of 20 other states. So Indiana would have been the 21st of the 50 states here in the United States that would have banned so-called conversion therapy. Okay, now, guys, I know that took quite a bit of time for me to get through all that, talking about Canada and France and the UK and Ireland. And now here we are here in the United States. But now that we've gotten through all that information, we need to go over the truth about these laws, okay? Because there's a lot of things that come out of these laws, so we need to really, really dig in, okay? So other European countries will have to enact similar laws to what France has done in order to keep up. They have to. So do not be shocked if in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months, if we see Portugal and Spain, maybe even Italy, maybe Germany, Sweden, Denmark, They have some similar things in place because I'm not sure exactly what they have in place in those countries right now, but these European countries can't be outwoked by one another, right? Especially if they're going to be part of the European Union. At some point, I would assume that the European Union may hand down something like this. For all I know, the United Nations can end up handing down something like this, banning so-called conversion therapy. So that's the first thing. Another truth about these laws is these laws are targeted, not defensive. Because most laws are defensive. They're not targeted for the most part, right? So there are laws protecting against having somebody drive their Ford through the front door of my house, right? There are a lot of laws. There are traffic laws. There are violations of personal property, personal sovereignty, personal safety, all those different things. But these laws are targeted at specific people, people that you wouldn't normally consider to be criminals. Think of a Christian counselor or a Christian pastor. Another thing about these laws is they are purposefully broadly written. Again, I'm going to include all this in the show notes. You can read it for yourself just so you know that I'm not making it up. When you read these laws, so unbelievably broad. And if the law is written broadly, it can be applied broadly. Okay? So Christian people, parents, churches, businesses, and ministries will be targeted because of how broad a law like this has been written. Okay? To my knowledge, None of the laws or the proposed laws that I've talked about so far have any real religious exemptions, because even specifically with the law in Canada, they're they're usurping some of their religious uh, exemption and protection laws in Canada by putting this law in place. They, They specifically spell that out. So even if they did have religious exemptions, though, it would be up to the government that enacted the law to agree to give that person the exemption. Think about that. This is a big point. Because, so let's say, oh, the Canadian law had a religious exemption. Who has to grant you the right to that religious exemption? The Canadian government that has an axe to grind in this area. That's why they're putting the law in place to begin with, right? So they're written so broadly that the application can have so many different ways of getting to you, right? The in person that could go to jail for this. Another truth about this law is that perhaps the greatest victims of these bills and bills like this will be young people that are confused about their gender and their sexuality. Those are going to be the greatest victims, potentially. Because let's say you're a teenager, you have same-sex attraction, and you know that that's immoral. You know that that is you know, uh, not right within nature. You know that these feelings that you're having are something that you don't want to have. If you were to seek out counseling from somebody to help you with that same-sex attraction, you're basically 
risking that person going to jail if they help you. So how many kids are not even going to reach out to somebody because they don't want to, you know, have residual damage for something that they're feeling? They're not going to have anybody aside from someone that's just going to confirm them and tell them that the way they're thinking and their way they're feeling is right. That's all they're going to hear. They're not going to hear any other ways of thinking. Think about the gender issue. We have people that are forcing gender change down children's throats. And this law would prohibit even a school counselor from telling a young girl that thinks she's a boy, look, I don't know that that's exactly the case. How about we wait and see? She could go to jail for five years in Canada, for two or three years in France. Can you imagine? Think about the victims that are going to come from this. And the last thing I'll talk about here in terms of, you know, the, the actual truth about these laws is the enforcement of these laws can be applied to those that preach the gospel message. If you preach the gospel, this law can be applied to that and you could go to jail for it. So there's a Canadian pastor named Jacob Room, I think is how you say his last name. It's R-E-A-U-M-E, not sure, but he's of Trinity Bible Chapel. He said this, quote, the biblical gospel is a message of conversion whereby Christ causes sinners to be born again, thus converting them from sinful propensities to godliness. This bill's language is vague enough that many think it might criminalize a biblical call to forsake sodomitic propensities to embrace righteousness, unquote. Again, he talks about the broadness. Again, this is a Canadian pastor talking about Bill C-4. The broadness of this law, of this bill in Canada, can make it so that it could be applied to a Christian pastor for preaching basic biblical truths. That's where we are right now with all of this. It's, it's an actually very scary, scary thing that's happening just for our brothers there to the north. I know there's a lot of Canadians that listen to this podcast, right? But now, you know, now that we're about 25 minutes in here, we need to talk about conversion therapy, right? The quote unquote, so-called conversion therapy. Now, if we were to talk about a definition of conversion therapy, a fair, but, you know, we could call it a loose definition would be something like, you know, methods that would aim to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity, right? That's a, that's a fair, basic, very loose definition methods that would aim to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. Okay. But just like the laws surrounding conversion therapy, okay, the phrase conversion therapy is defined so broadly that it includes many things that actually aren't being done. Again, the laws are very, very, very broadly written. The term, the, the phrase conversion therapy is defined so broadly to include so many things. Okay. The broad definition lumps together things that shouldn't be lumped together. So it'll lump together licensed therapists and unlicensed therapists. It lumps together people that sought out the treatment on their own and continue to go via their own free will with people that are feeling forced and or coerced to do it, right? Because it's defined so broadly, okay? But there's a reason for this. There's a reason why these people are using the phrase conversion therapy. And it's because of what people think of when they hear the phrase conversion therapy. Because in their minds, whether they were alive during this time or not, they go back to the 50s and 60s, okay? And uh, someone named Juliana Chan Erickson did a great job of breaking this down, so I'll include in the show notes something that she wrote. But she talked about how during this time, during the 1950s and 1960s, especially in America, medical manuals listed homosexuality and gender dysphoria as psychological disorders, okay? 
It was widely seen in the practice of psychology. Okay. Also during this time, doctors and researchers tried all kinds of methods to, you know, in the case of homosexuality, change people's sexual desires for the same sex. Okay. Now they did some crazy stuff. Now, these are psychologists, these are doctors, these are the scientists, these are the science, right? It's those people. It's the best among us, as we've been told during the era of COVID, right? Some of the things that they tried to do to get people to change their sexual orientation included induced vomiting. It included shame-based conditioning. So uh, a young boy that considered himself to be gay, they would show him pornographic pictures of men. And then if he reacted to that in any way, they would, you know, do things to physically hurt him. Also, there was electroshock therapy that was used. Okay. And those were the most egregious examples that I found. So that's why I just described them, right? Just horrifically sinful, brutal things that they were doing to, in a lot of cases, children. Okay. But then in the early seventies, psychologists took homosexuality off the list of mental disorders. I talked about that earlier in terms of what happened in France. And it was all of a sudden, in the 1970s, psychologists assumed that homosexuality was no longer pathological, but it was acceptable. We went from pathological to acceptable to, in a lot of cases, virtuous. This is a virtuous thing now, to be homosexual, to be you, to, to live out your truth, right? And yet, as I mentioned earlier, with, with France, in the 1970s in America, they showed no data or studies to say why they made that change. They changed 180 degrees. They went the exact opposite direction these psychologists did, and they just did it. And seemingly, no one challenged them on this. And here we are 50-plus years later. We just assume that that's true. We don't even look at homosexuality as if it is any type of a deformity that could potentially need treatment, right? We don't look at that. We don't look at it that way anymore, okay? But the phrase conversion therapy is used purposefully to make an emotive point because they could use a different phrase because it's not like that's so colloquially specific to what people are talking about in a modern age that they couldn't use another way of describing it. They're using that specifically because if someone says this happened to me the other day, I was talking to somebody about preparing for this podcast and I used the word conversion therapy and the guy literally goes, isn't that where they like shocked gay people to not be gay anymore? Right. That, that, that's exactly why they're doing this. It's exactly why they're using that phrase, why they're using that to make an emotive point inside of our brains. And here's the thing. These LGBTQ plus zealots want you to just assume that harm is being done if somebody is undergoing a treatment that's categorically considered to be conversion therapy. I listened to a debate the other day uh, on Justin Briarley's podcast over in the UK, and there was somebody that was on the pro side of these uh, laws in the UK and somebody that was on the anti side of these laws. And the person that was pro these laws, this is somebody that was a self-described lesbian Christian, because of course, and they said that they had undergone this, undergone this treatment and how it was horrible and it was terrible and, you know, it ruined their life and they were, they were lucky to make it out alive. And then all they described was that people were praying over them. That, you know, there were people that tried to exercise a demon, that there were people that were holding this girl accountable, right? And yet that was the treatment. That was the therapy that almost ruined her life, right? She didn't describe being physically harmed or, or you know, being hooked up to electrodes. And if she was shown a picture of a woman's breast that, you know, they shocked her or something like that, nothing like that was described. Essentially, conversion therapy is not any different, and people don't want to talk about this, but conversion therapy, even how they're defining it, is not any different than any other kind of behavioral therapy. 
The difference is the weight that we put on it culturally. Because if you're getting therapy to end the behavior of drinking yourself, you know, blackout drunk every night, we're okay with that culturally. We don't look at that like, how dare you judge that person? Let them drink themselves to death, you bigot, right? But the American College of Pediatrics in 2016, not 1916, 2016, said that they saw, and this is a quote from them, no evidence that psychotherapy for unwanted homosexual attraction is any more or less harmful than the use of psychotherapy to treat any other unwanted psychological or behavioral adaptation. That's the American College of Pediatrics in 2016. So this idea that conversion therapy is wholly different than any other behavioral change or difference that you would want to see in a minor or an adult is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The reality is today that no one is actively getting conversion therapy in the way that they, they did maybe some back in the 50s or 60s or before then. There's no one that's being electrically shocked. Or, or tied to a chair and forced to look at pictures of dicks until they're not attracted to them anymore. That's not happening. That's not happening anywhere that we can that we know of whatsoever, right? So it almost asks the question, who is this law applying to exactly, right? These people are having conversations with therapists. So if you're in 2020-22 and you're going through so-called conversion therapy, you're probably having a face-to-face conversation with the therapist, okay? This person would be receiving ideas about how they can alter their desires and behaviors, okay? In a Christian context, they're receiving prayer, accountability, spiritual guidance. In some cases, they might be praying over them, some sort of an intercessory prayer. And yes, they are literally, in many ways, trying to pray away the gay. That's a quote you're not allowed to say, right? Pray away the gay. And we should all be fine with that. Because I have not heard up to this point, if, if I'm wrong, I, I'm okay to be correct and I'll correct the record. I have not heard of a single reputable story where somebody was being forced to receive this treatment against their physical will recently. Okay? Th- this person may not like the treatment. It may not always be comfortable. They may not always believe that it will work, but they're doing it willingly. There's, these people are not being dragged out of gay bathhouses and thrown into a therapist's chair and strapped down. It's not happening. Okay? Now, I can already hear it. You might be saying, Kyle, I've heard crazy stories of people describing their abuse, you know, during therapy. I've heard these stories, right? Now, I will say that there were stories of camps that were discovered in the United States that were abusing and beating children, okay? There were very, very few camps that were these gay conversion camps. You may have heard it during, you know, when Mike Pence was uh, with Donald Trump running for president in 2016 and how could they dare, you know, support these organizations? The thing is, is these organizations were trying to help kids right? But then they was ran by sinful people and they were abusing kids. Kind of like many other types of camps that have many other types of different affiliations, whether that's Boy Scouts or some random survivalist camp for a little kid or something like that. There are bad people that are running these camps and they're using their positions of power and their physical bodies to harm children, right? That's not a conversion therapy specific thing to a Christian camp somewhere in Alabama, okay? And I'm glad that these camps that were abusing children physically were shut down, as anybody should be. Regardless of how the camp got started, regardless of how they're funded, I'm glad that those camps were shut down because those kids were being taken advantage of. Again, not in a unique way, just in a normal way that when kids aren't with their parents or with any other authorities, sometimes they're taken advantage of it. It's horrible and it's horrific. And a lot of those people should be should you know be put in jail and throw away the key, in my opinion. But the problem with the majority of these anecdotal stories from these individuals of these people that went through these conversion therapies is that these stories can't be corroborated. 
or have even been found out to be false. I read several accounts this week as I was preparing for the show that reminded me a lot of the race hoaxes that we see today. Yeah, a noose appears on a college campus that was clearly put there by the Grand Wizard of the KKK, right? And then they found out, oh, it's a black. It was the president of the Black Student Association. They put that out there. Uh, they were found out to have done that. Some of that, you know, spray paints the N word on the side of a wall or something like that. Oh, they found out it was a black person that did that. Uh, you know, all these different race hoaxes that we see. That you know, Jesse Smollett being the most prominent one, but we see these things happen. And they were shocked on the back end, but it's the initial story that gets all the coverage, not whenever they find out that it was all BS. That's what it seems like with a lot of these stories. Yeah, these people that claim that they had this person that absolutely abused them, that it was this therapist that wouldn't leave them alone and, you know, hurt them. And then it was some, in some cases, the therapist didn't exist. In some cases, they found no evidence to suggest that the therapist did any of these things. A lot of these stories were made up whole cloth, which only takes away from the people that were actually harmed. It, you know, it does a disservice to those people, right? Now, I'm going to say something as a little bit of an aside here that may initially shock you, okay? To be completely honest, I myself want to ban conversion therapy too. I do. But not in the way they say. I want to ban the practice whereby we attempt to convert someone from being a person that feels that their homosexual lifestyle is wrong into a person that believes a homosexual lifestyle is morally appropriate and even biblically supported. I absolutely want to ban that conversion. I want to ban the practice whereby we attempt to convert someone from being a biological boy into being a biological girl and vice versa. I want to ban that. I also want to ban the practice whereby we attempt to convert someone from being a person that is okay with who God made them to be and look like into a person that is just a mentally and physically mutilated version of their original self. That's the conversion therapy that we should all be worried about. Because as far as we know, there aren't little kids being hooked up to electric shock therapy, right? We aren't seeing kids getting those things, but we're seeing those other things. We're seeing a kid that expresses something that is outside of the gender binary, and then all of a sudden, a counselor is telling them that they are the opposite sex. We have a kid that has same-sex attraction, but they're young. They don't really know what they're doing. They don't, they're not really sure what they're sexually attracted to. They don't even understand sexual attraction. But then we're giving them a rainbow flag and telling them to march in a parade and to be proud of who they are. I'd love to ban that. But to not divert too far, I want to get back to why it's important to talk about this. Okay. Because a lot of people might be like, yeah, great. You spent, you know, 40 minutes talking about this issue. Why should I give a crap, right? I got stuff to do. I got to pay a mortgage. But it's important to talk about for several reasons. The first reason I thought of is American churches are in the crosshairs. Because, you know, France is in kind of a post-Christian world. Canada is kind of in a post-Christian world. And United States is kind of heading in that direction. Even though we have quite a bit to hold on to, quite a few cornerstones for what we're seeing about the faith in the United States. But American churches are in the crosshairs of this. There will be more laws like this. There will be lawmakers, especially in blue states, that will be emboldened by what they're seeing in their favorite European countries and their favorite parts of the Canadian government. So we're absolutely going to be targeted as American churchgoers. Okay. And the other reason why it's important to talk about this is many American churches will fold to the pressure of these laws, 100%. If, if you don't believe me, go back to 2020 and all the George Floyd riots and stuff that we saw. How many churches were all too eager to bend the knee to Black Lives Matter, the organization, not the phrase, the organization? 
They were more than happy to, to wear their Black Lives Matter mask on stage. They were more than happy to post a black square on Twitter. They were more than happy to welcome in the Marxist ideology of Black Lives Matter. They were more than happy to enact versions of critical race theory and other critical theories into their sermon content, into some of their outreach. So we're going to see a lot of American churches fold to this. And unfortunately, we're probably going to see very few that are willing to stand up against it. And also, we're going to see laws regulating conversion therapy here in the United States. And we're going to see way more of those, but I got to be honest, and this is important. This is why it's important to talk about it. Laws regulating conversion therapy are a Trojan horse for laws that will attempt to outlaw biblical morality up to and including the gospel. It's not going to stop here. Like, I literally shouldn't have to, for the remainder of my life, talk about how, you know, the the slippery slope fallacy shouldn't be used, especially with people that consider themselves to be generic or secular leftists, okay? Because there's always a slippery slope with those people. They're always moving the Overton window. Again, several years ago, a lot of you guys gave me crap for talking about how people on the left are going to start talking to you and trying to convince you that being a pedophile is just normal. It's a normal way of thinking, just like it's normal to be bisexual or homosexual or demisexual or any of those things. It's just a sexual preference. You told me I was insane, and here we are. I continue to talk about these stories where we're talking about minor attracted persons now. We're not even talking about pedophiles because that sounds too harsh. So these conversion therapy laws, again, some people are going to say, no, 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 this isn't about what you're saying. This is about making sure that people are getting licensed care and not unlicensed care. See, we just want people to make sure they're getting the best care possible. That's what they're going to tell you. That's exactly how they're going to try to convince you that all these things are happening, right? That's what they're going to tell you. Because don't we want people that are trained in all these secular places where the Bible's not allowed, don't, don't we want more of those people talking to our children, more of those people talking to our broken adults, right? It's not going to stop at conversion therapy. We need to be realistic. But also for us as Christians, we need to talk about what the Bible says about these things because we don't just want to lean on the, the understanding of man. You certainly don't want to lean on just my understanding. I'm just a guy that can read, right? So we need to look at this, and we won't spend a ton of time here because it's pretty simple and straightforward. What does God say about gender identity, for instance? Well, let's go to Scripture, Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You've heard a lot of people quote that here recently. Male and female. There's not a spectrum described. There's not any idea that we can fluidly move back and forth between one and the other. You were created as male or you were created as female. It's in your bones. It's in your DNA. It's in your chromosomes all the way down. So that's what the Bible has to say about gender identity. It's pretty simple. But then also, what does God have to say about sexual immorality? Let's go to the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, which has been talked about a lot here recently. Let me go ahead and read that. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. But then specifically, we need to get into this last part, because something that I hear a lot, right, it's shocking how much I hear it, is that Jesus Christ never talked about homosexuality in his earthly ministry. He never discussed it. 
right? You've heard prominent people or used to be prominent people like Carl Lentz, the guy who used to run Hillsong, New York City. He said this uh, when he was getting you know, talking to Oprah or The View or whatever show he was on. Maybe it was Katie Couric or something like that. He said, Jesus never talked about this issue, so I'm not going to talk about it from the pulpit. And guys like him are either ridiculously ignorant about what the Bible actually says, or they're purposely misleading their flock. Okay? So what does Jesus have to say about sexual immorality? Let's go to Mark 7, verses 20 through 23, and then we'll unpack it. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Okay? So that's Mark 7, 20 through 23. I read that from the top of the show as well. So, listed there, those are the words of Jesus. Those are red-letter words of Jesus, right? They see, we see sexual immorality. Some English translations say fornications, right? So fornications or sexual immorality. The Greek word used for those things, either sexual immorality or fornications or any of the other things that it's been translated into, is pornea or pornea, okay? P-O-R-N-E-A. Now, that may sound like our modern word for porn. We do get that as an offshoot. So Jesus spoke in Aramaic and his words were, were written down in ancient Greek. And it's been translated, and it's gotten all the way to us here 2,000 years later, okay? And we can go back to the original Greek. We can go back to the original transcripts to make sure that our English translations are saying what it said back in the day, okay? The audience reading the Greek, and when they came across the word porneia, they would have known this word to mean any kind of sexual immorality that you could think of that would have been violation of the law at the time, okay? So that would absolutely include homosexuality, but it would also include prostitution, sex before marriage, adultery, bisexuality, transvestism, all the different sexual depravities and sins that you could think of would have been included. Because there are people that have tried to look at that word and they've tried to be like, oh, no, 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 no. Jesus was only talking about prostitutes. He wasn't talking about homosexuals by, by no stretch of the imagination. That's not true. These people are misleading you. Okay? So, if you're wondering how you should feel about gender identity or sexual immorality. The, the Bible gives you your answers. The God-breathed words from the Bible give you the answers you need. And if you're one of those people that are like, oh, if Jesus didn't talk about it, I don't need to worry about it. Well, guess what? Jesus talked about it. So we've done all this, and we're going to crescendo here at the end with how we can be against all of this, how we can push back against this darkness. Again, that's what we're here to do, is to equip you guys to be able to do that. Okay, so a few things. Number one is be informed. Ask yourself, did you know all the stuff that I just went through today? Is the last 45 minutes of your life, has this just been a repeat of things that you already knew? Because I'm going to assume that's not the case. I'm going to assume that you didn't know about the intricacies of Bill C-4 in Canada. I'm going to assume that you didn't know about Ordinance 3121 from West Lafayette, Indiana, right? So you need to be informed. So Make sure you're getting your news from reputable sources, right? You know, I, I follow the Daily Wire. I follow the Blaze. I follow Fox News. Again, these have a very conservative bend to it, but unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of even independent journalists that are looking at these types of things. But even in the research of this podcast, guys, I was reading a lot of news from LGBTQ websites. I was getting their view and their perspective because I would read maybe how the Daily Wire was uh, formulating uh, this particular story. And then I would look at some LGBTQ website and I realized they're both saying the same thing. 
but one side is lamenting this law and the other side is celebrating. Okay. So you've got to be informed on these issues if you're going to be able to push back against them. The second thing I want to talk about is that you need to defend your pastors. Okay. So I said on the 16th of January, you know, thousands of pastors all across Canada and the United States, they all in solidarity, even at my church here in Edmond, Oklahoma, they stood up in solidarity and they preached about this subject. They preached about homosexuality. They preached about gender and they pushed back against, you know, organizations or countries that are wanting to enact laws that would violate people for having these viewpoints and acting on them. Okay. Now, a lot of pastors in the United States act cowardly. Okay. It'd be hard for me to say that they are individually cowards, but they certainly act cowardly. When BLM stuff was going on, they were burning everything all across the country. Very few pastors were getting up and, you know, uh, saying that those things were wrong because they were scared, especially megachurch pastors, right? Especially they're pastors that are basically CEOs of their churches. They're not actually pastors, right? They're not wanting to talk about these issues, right? They don't want to talk about LGBTQ. They don't want to talk about anything in the transgender side of things. They don't want to talk about Marxism. They have no idea what critical theory is. They don't want to talk about any of these things. But some of these pastors do know about these subject matters. They're just afraid to talk about it. Abortion, that's another one. So I would encourage you, and I encourage you guys, I say this all the time, tell your pastors that you got their back. Go to your pastor and say, Pastor, abortion is a horrible scourge. We need to talk about it. You haven't mentioned it from the pulpit. I've been going to your church for years. And guess what? If slings and arrows come your way, I will step in front of you and take them for you. And then have a dozen of your friends that go to that church do the same thing with your pastor embolden them to speak up and talk about these issues. Because if you're going to a church that didn't even know that these laws are being enacted, that that they're going to be caught flat-footed when it's enacted in their state or their county or their town, right? That's not a good thing. It's not going to be a good thing for the flock because lamenting something after it's gone into place, you're a little late at that point. The, the, The war has passed you by. So you need to be informed, but also defend your pastors. Beyond that, you need to speak out before you are forced to. So I'm speaking out on this right now. None of these laws are affecting me in Edmond, Oklahoma, in the United States of America. None. Right? They're bothering me because I'm having to read about them and think about them and then repackage it and give it to you. So it's, it's bothersome, but it's not affecting me directly. Because if my pastor gets up and speaks about homosexuality on Sunday, I'm not assuming that we're going to see a, a squad come in of people that are going to hold him down, arrest him, and haul him off to jail. But there are going to be people around the globe that are going to experience something similar to that. And it's not that far away. So now is a really good time to speak out. Let your local Congress people know, hey, I'm not down with this. Like if, if something comes up in the state assembly, and if someone wants to put forward a law like this, I want you to fight against it. I got your back. You know, embolden them like you would embolden your pastor. Speak out before you're forced to. And the last thing here, and this is really, really important is to catechize your children in the understanding of biblical sexual morality. Now, you may not use the word catechize uh, that often, but catechize literally just means to instruct systematically, especially by questions, answers, and explanations, and corrections. Okay? So, catechize your kids in the faith. You might hear people say something like that. But you need to teach them and systematically instruct them how to understand sexual morality and gender identity based on what the Bible says. It goes back to the scriptures that I just got through talking about not that long ago, right? What does God have to say about gender identity? What does God have to say about sexual immorality? What did Jesus have to say when he was on this planet about sexual immorality? You need to make sure your kids know that. Because guess what? I'm not fully convinced that I'm going to see a national federal law in the United States that reflects what we're seeing right now in Canada 
and France in my lifetime. I'm not sure I'm going to see that, right? Culture moves fast. Uh, we'll have to see how things go, but I may not see that. But I could probably assume that my sons will. They're probably going to see something very similar to that. And if they haven't been instructed into the biblical ethic of what we should think about gender identity and sexual morality, how can I expect them to push back darkness? Because part of the way that you push back darkness, gentlemen, is making sure that your kids can't. Because what if you get taken out of the fight? You get sick, you get old, you die. Who's going to continue the fight? That's part of the reason why our kids are arrows that we can shoot at, at the darkness that's coming in future generations. It's part of the reason why, you know, a lot of Christians, a lot of religious people have more kids. They see what's coming and they're like, hey, we're going to need more soldiers for this fight. I'm, I'm using that term hopefully figuratively, right? So if you want to know what to do with all this, guys, how we're going to push back against this darkness, be informed, defend your pastors, speak out before you are forced to, and catechize your children in the understanding of biblical sexual morality. All right, guys, before we go, we are going to let you, sorry, messed up my own outro. Here we go. Let's do it again. We're going to do a quick resilience boost. Here I am coughing. I'm using air quotes the whole time, and then I end up screwing up my own outro. But here's the thing. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So I've got a lot of links here for you. So I've got the link that if you're interested in booking me to come speak at your event or on your podcast, that is there. I've got a link to Bill C4 uh, in Canada, so you can check that out. I've got a link to Ordinance number 3121 of West Lafayette, Indiana. You can check that out. I've got a link for the Indiana Senate Bill 32. I've got a link to a Kentucky Today commentary that was written by Albert Moeller talking about some of the things happening here. I've got a link to the UK government's website where they're talking about the open consultation about the new conversion therapy laws. Also, I've got that article from Juliana Chan Erickson that I talked about earlier. And then there's an article from the Daily Wire called American Pastors Stand with Canadian Christians Preach About Biblical Sexuality Amid Conversion Therapy Ban. Here's what they said. I thought that was a great combination of the things that we've heard here about this story. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And we also want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>